Why is this the best day ever, you ask? Because, Gary, I get to start this wonderful day bringing life to a whole new generation of delicious Krabby Patties. Followed by a vigorous midday session of karate with Sandy. And an afternoon jellyfishing with Patrick, where I'll unveil my newest, most prized possession, the Deluxe Jelly Slayer Composite Pro. And for the grand finale, every one of my closest friends joining together for Squidward's Clarinet Recital. I am so excited, I think I'm gonna explode! It's the Kill the intro! to the only podcast that believes in the philosophy that any day can be the best day ever. I'm ready! A SpongePod Squarecast. I'm your host, Captain Eric, and it's a pleasure to welcome you aboard as we start our final sail through the fourth season of SpongeBob SquarePants. We are at the final full episode of the season, ladies and gentlemen of the Ready Crew. And let me tell you, this season finale has snuck up on me. I was enjoying season four a little bit too much. In in all aspects, honestly, as a rewatch and as this podcast creation. This full season has been an experience for me. And more than any other season of the show, there were behind-the-scenes changes going on in my life not really being told to you. Some of it, of course, leaked through the cracks of the ship. But, for the most part, I've kept things afloat. But there's been a lot of changes. And this has always been, and I don't really mean to always go to the nautical metaphors here, but this has been an anchor in my life. Something to look forward to, something for me to do regardless on, hey, if, if no one's listening out there, if you can walk away enjoying what you create, that's what it's about. That's what I would say to any creator out there. If you love what you make, that's, that's what it has to boil down to. So, at the end of the day, I was enjoying this season so much that the aspect of the end really didn't, hit me until last week and I was like whoa I am ill prepared for season five more so than any other season when it was on the horizon this was the first time in my life that I'd ever watched season four just in its entirety to re-watch it with the intent of hey we're going episode by episode and it's been refreshing it's certainly been an experience, and I think those who worked on SpongeBob SquarePants during Season 4 really do not get enough credit for what they were able to do. Everybody locks in the first three seasons in that movie in the Steven Hillenburg era as the top of the pyramid golden era of SpongeBob SquarePants, and although... I'm not one to disagree with that. Season four 
It's all about perspective here. Season four had more than any other season a tremendous leap of faith that it had to make. Season one, you're just creating new. You're establishing the show. Season two, you're you're seeing what you can push. And by season three, you're just gliding. You make that movie and then its creator steps away. And it's not that he's not speaking to anybody working on the show, but there is a bit of a shuffle here. There is a bit of a, a changing of the guard. And they did a wonderful job of continuing SpongeBob SquarePants from season three, from the movie, the changeover, going into season four. They did a pretty good job. Season four does not get enough credit as much as it deserves. That's, that's the end statement I'm trying to make here. We're not at the end completely, but as we begin this final sale, either way, I'd like to say that season four has been an absolute pleasure. Regardless on any of the moments that you can notice, oh, this is starting to not really feel like classic SpongeBob. It feels a little different. Regardless of those moments, season four has been great. To anyone who had worked on season four and feels that it doesn't get the credit that it deserves, you're absolutely right. It's been a wonderful time. And let's begin this final sale, of course, with the one, the only, best day ever. An iconic episode, an iconic song in SpongeBob SquarePants history that has found itself used and remixed many times throughout different pieces of Spongebob media. So depending on when you have run into this song or episode, you may have a different entry point for when you hear of the best day ever. What's the first thing you think of when you hear of that? If I bring it up to a Spongebob fan, hey, what's the first thing you think of when I say best day ever? Some wild answers are going to be out there. For those that don't know, before we even get into the episode at hand, let's see, two years prior to this episode airing on November 10th, 2006 in North America, this song, Best Day Ever, which is the roundabout song used in the episode, was featured as the end credits theme for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. So if you happen to be watching the SpongeBob SquarePants movie in theaters during its original theatrical run in November of 2004, as the credits of the movie begin, the first half gives a montage of SpongeBob as the manager of the Krusty Krab 2 and what his daily activities consist of. When that first part is over, we get a beautiful shot of waves in the ocean, which it's one of my favorite end credit sequences ever. I know I'm biased because I'm a SpongeBob fan, but I'd rather look at waves over a black screen. Is that so wrong to prefer? You can tell me. 
as the credits are rolling, the Best Day Ever song starts playing, which, if you're sitting there in the theater, you're thinking, well, this is SpongeBob's probably first song, Waking Up, as the new manager. It's the best day ever. And if you're like me and you bought the soundtrack for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, then you certainly listened to the best day ever a lot more and a lot longer before it made its official debut a part of SpongeBob SquarePants, the TV show. At the time of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, when I bought that soundtrack, I also had a paper route, so I can proudly tell you that I used my own money to purchase that CD. I didn't have a lot, but it was uh, it was nice whenever I was able to have a new CD with me. And this is going to age me, so for anybody who has only ever had streaming music in their life and wireless earbuds and the easiest ways to listen to music, this is going to either be really cringe to hear or really sad, but this is still completely fine of a way to listen to music. Not not so much in the in the walking sense, but if you're home and you listen to CDs, who cares? But in 2004, although iPods were around, I was not someone who had the ability to purchase an iPod nor did my parents have the ability to purchase an iPod. And really, when it came down to my birthday and the Christmas that would follow two months afterwards, I had other things on my mind. I was okay with a CD player and CDs. I was not someone clamoring to just get rid of things I was used to. It wasn't really that outdated, you know? I was fine with it. Now, at the time, I had a CD player that was relatively okay to walk around with. Not every portable, quote-unquote, CD player was the best to walk around with. These things were spinning a disc at high speeds, and some of them, the, the term portable for the manufacturer may be, hey, well, you still get to bring this places wherever you go and play a CD doesn't mean you get to walk or run with this player and it's going to work in the same way. So there were certainly some CD players that were quote-unquote portable, but you weren't really able to walk or run places with them. You'd have to be sitting somewhere. They were powered by batteries If the batteries went out and you didn't have any replacements with you, good luck. But in the other cases, if you tried to walk with it, sometimes the CD, because it was being spun so quickly, would judder and it was like a top. It was like a really fast top with that thing spinning. And if it wasn't meant, you know, to be turned around and upside down, it wouldn't work properly. But I had one that was pretty good that you could have in a back pocket or have in a bag and it would play completely fine. They made certain portable CD players that were meant, you know, for use by people who wanted to run or jog with some music. This was at the time where tapes were completely 
on the back end and everybody was moving on to CDs as their preferred portable media, mostly because of cars and just CDs being completely better than tapes. You didn't have to rewind anything. You had more ability to just replay songs that you loved. And although you had to keep up the quality of the CD more than you did the tape, a tape you could kind of throw around and be a little bit rougher with, a CD you had to be careful with, CDs were just easier to maintain in terms of keeping them in their cases. As long as you were careful, they were fantastic. And then their size, relative to the tapes, they weren't keeping up certainly as much room as 8-tracks and cassette tapes were. So CDs, fantastic. Either way, going on a little bit of a tangent here. Around the time of having this portable CD player... I also had a paper route around the age of 13, and it lasted until I was about 16. Around that time frame, two blocks away from the street I lived on, and the most enjoyable part about this paper route, other than the few connections I made with some of the customers I had, was the amount of music I got to listen to, so much so that To listen to music, I would prefer going out for a walk either at night or early in the morning than to just sit there and consume the music. I would much rather be in some sort of movement listening to music because of how much I I listened at this time. In 2004, purchased the SpongeBob SquarePants movie and had access to the best day ever, which, of course, was featured on the soundtrack. A great soundtrack, which didn't have many songs that featured SpongeBob himself. He would, of course, be in Now That We're Men, and there was a few other songs that he would introduce, but this was primarily the only song that was about SpongeBob, SpongeBob singing... And to give credit where credit's due, the Best Day Ever song was written and composed by Andy Paley and Tom Kenny, who I'm sure recorded this song around the year 2004. I'm not sure if they created it with the intention that it would be used in a future episode or if it was simply to create this song and, hey, now it's in the movie soundtrack, but either way, it found itself cemented itself in Spongebob history more ways than one. So, while having this paper out, I'm not saying it was an everyday affair, but The Best Day Ever was certainly a song that was played a lot, as much as any other song on that soundtrack. But if you were like me and you found yourself with that soundtrack before the episode even premiered, you may have a different thought that comes to the best day ever than when the episode actually found itself being made centered around this song and what can happen when you plan out your best day ever what happens when everything goes wrong now that's not what the song is about the song is literally Spongebob seemingly walking through Bikini Bottom singing about just having a fantastic day and his bar as far as what makes a best day ever is incredibly small 
the sun is out, it's shining, he's feeling good, and he's describing the world around him. Not in grave detail, not shouting out landmarks. It's very simple dialogue. Mentioning the flowers, mentioning the sand, mentioning the clouds, the moon, the sky. When he feels down, he wants to get away from feeling that frown. He wants to look outside, look around, and realize that as long as the day itself the weather is good, you should appreciate what you have around you. That's at least what I take out of the song. The Best Day Ever song would later find itself not only as the centerpiece of its own episode, which we are obviously covering today, but as an entire marathon that would lead up to the premiere of the episode known as The Best Day Ever. SpongeBob SquarePants taking over Nickelodeon for 24 hours, the top 100 episodes of the show fan voted as the excitement for this day was drummed up in weeks of advertisements from Nickelodeon. Of course, heading over to Nick.com was the place to cast in your votes for your favorite episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants, and Patchy the Pirate was there to count down the top 100 episodes throughout the entire day 24 hours of spongebob squarepants on nickelodeon if you were trying to tune in to nick at night to check out an old sitcom psych spongebob time if it was 8 a.m and you were expecting some nick jr sorry junior spongebob all day and i know that in 2023 it's even less exciting to watch spongebob at any time in the world of streaming and even At that point, the DVDs were still around, so I could pop in a DVD at 3 a.m., but there was still something novel. As someone who grew up with the Nickelodeon channel, with basic cable, when they would put on these kinds of events to tune in, I could stay up until 2 in the morning and SpongeBob would still be on, and then I could wake up at 6 a.m. and there's SpongeBob still on TV. Now, I know that that would later be the template for future Nickelodeon schedules, but at the time it was still a pretty novel concept to see Spongebob at certain times of the day. So as someone who grew up with Nickelodeon, with basic cable, getting swept up in these special events, even though I had the means to watch Spongebob at any point in time, it still felt special to tune in and see what was going on, see what episode was at whatever rank it was at. I'm not going to go through the entire top 100 list. This already is a wacky list at the time, but these are the top 10 episodes as voted by the fans of 2006. Number 10 is Have You Seen This Snail? Number 9 is Selling Out. Number 8 is Patrick Smart Pants, followed by the camping episode at number 7, New Leaf at number 6, Ghost Host at number 5, Krusty Towers at number 4, Dunces and Dragons at number 3, Wishing You Well at number 2, and the number 1 episode at the time of the best day ever marathon, Karate Island. The top 10 is Season 4 Heavy, 
And I know season four has been great. I give it its praise, but the top 10 episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants, all of them really being from season four, certainly maybe Nickelodeon putting some recency bias, or it's just at the time that was the fans mindset. The new episodes are really that darn good. Maybe so. Now, the camping episode being in the top 10, I can't disagree with, but how in the freaking flounder did Band Geeks not make it into the top 10? For those that don't know, Band Geeks found itself all the way at number 38 in this list, even behind certain episodes that I would say wouldn't even be in the top 100, but that's for another day. Maybe after I rank the season four episodes, I should do my own best day ever. What would the captain's top 100 episodes be of the four seasons? That would be interesting. That's a, that's a good idea. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. You're welcome. Ironically enough, at the end of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, which premiered after the best day ever, the final song is the best day ever song itself. So the final part of this entire ordeal comes back to the best day ever song. An absolute perfect end to a best day ever. I made sure to watch as late as I could. I woke up, SpongeBob was still on the TV. What a great day. Leading up to the premiere of what is known as Best Day Ever, the first half of the 80th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, first premiered in the United States on November 10th, 2006. Our storyboard directors for this episode are Nate Cash and Tuck Tucker, who wrote this episode alongside Stephen Banks. Our animation director is Larry Leckleader. Our creative director is Vincent Waller. And our supervising producer is Paul Tibbet. <laughs> This is the first episode in the show's history to start with a song, to open with a musical number, which may have been saved for season five, as when you look at the production code of this episode, it clearly shows that this episode was meant for season five. So this could have been, at one point, a season premiere kind of episode, which it does have a big, more-than-a-usual episode tone to it. There is something special about this episode being wrapped around this song. It does have some sort of elevated feeling to it. I can't be the only one out there who feels that. So to me, it feels like, well, here it's kind of a season finale. Although, it really should have come after The Gift of Gum. I would have swapped these two. But then again, maybe it would have felt too much like a finale, and Nickelodeon doesn't really roll that train. So it could have been saved as a season five premiere, or somewhere alongside the beginning of the season, and then pulled in for the end of the season here to wrap around this whole event. It's not the first time, nor the last time, that Nickelodeon would pull an episode out of order for an event they wanted to put on. Let's not forget the infamous Urban Jungle event that Nickelodeon wanted to put on with Danny Phantom pulling a later episode in the season 
before they even aired any part of the season that featured characters and plot points because season three was ten times more continuity-driven than anything else I remember with Danny Phantom. There was still continuity with other parts of, of that show, but yeah. So it's not the first time that they would pull something out of order for an event. But the actual episode opens up as the song does. So for those of us who have been listening to that song, or if you watched the movie at nauseum and you listened to that song in the credits, either way, you were still enjoying it just the same. It opens up the exact same way with the opening intro to this song, with SpongeBob proclaiming with Mr. Sun came up and he smiled at me, said it's going to be a good one, just wait and see. What is hilarious for those, and I'll speak on behalf for those of us listening to this song, I don't think anyone could have thought of the sun actually coming into SpongeBob's window and then just holding there for those notes where there's no singing. One of my favorite bits to this entire episode is that that part, because when I watched this episode when it premiered, that part immediately had me laughing because never would have I expected it. I always pictured SpongeBob looking out the window and, you know, something else happening with the sun, but fantastic work on the animator's part coming up with that gag. The pose that SpongeBob makes as he jumped out of bed before he runs outside feels such like a classic pose of SpongeBob that was used on so many pieces of merchandise, one of those stock poses, but here it's SpongeBob jumping out of bed, and then getting into the chorus of It's the Best Day Ever. Try not to at least have a smile on your face listening to that bop. Of course, it can be overused. It can get a little tiring, and I think avoiding some of the other parts of this song was a mistake and just relying on the chorus it's a it's the best day ever over and over and over again a part of this episode my only little gripe because you know i i love other parts of that song it's only the opening intro here that is is one to one faithful to the original song and then it's kind of remixed here and there as spongebob goes outside he sings the chorus it's the best day ever he meets up with Gary on the top of the pineapple, and he lists out, while imagining how his day is going to play out, of everything he has according to his plan, which is to work a shift at the Krusty Krab before meeting Sandy at her tree dome for karate, then meeting Patrick over at the fields, the jellyfish fields, of course, but, you know, we call them the fields over here, uh, jellyfish fields for, of course, some jellyfishing. And then Squidward has a recital, a concert, later this evening that SpongeBob is going to attend to cap off his best day ever. And it's adorable. It's adorable to sit out and plan such a beautiful day where you get to interact and do all of your favorite things. Very much reminds me of an episode, if you have been watching Nickelodeon for a long period of time in the 90s, there was an episode of Hey Arnold known as The List, where Arnold is given what is known as the Perfect Saturday, a list of 
extraordinary things any kid would want to do on a Saturday, which was to watch every cartoon from 6 a.m. in the morning until Dance Craze would come on at, you know, some point, I'm guessing maybe 10 or 11, eat three bowls of Sugar Chunks cereal, bike down the steepest hill in the city, play catch with every kid in the park, and then go to the movies and sit through it three times in a row. That's a perfect Saturday. And of course, just like SpongeBob here, Arnold goes to plan out everything that's going to happen, and everything goes not according to plan. Everything is ruined. And with SpongeBob and Arnold, they're very similar in their optimism, in their, you know, hey, just cross it off. This isn't happening. Let's go on to the next one. Let's try to make the best of what we have left until there's nothing left. And in both cases, both characters do have those around them that care enough to step in and remind them of what they they do have, which is always nice. But I think, ultimately, what both of these episodes try to get across is that no matter what happens in your day, what you think has gone wrong, your day can always turn around. Things can end on a good note. And sometimes that can be up to you. It can be helpful when somebody else is there to help us push us to that that end result of, well, things are fine. Things are better. There's always something to smile about. The end of that episode ended with a song, too. Hey Arnold, The List, check it out. A very early episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, season one. First part of the eighth episode. It ends with Grandma singing a song to Arnold about looking up. About sometimes you can decide to look down, but if you just look up, it's your choice to change your your head tilt, change your perspective, if you will, and move on with a smile. Find something to smile about. And that's what happens in this episode. So as we go on, of course, everything SpongeBob. I don't mean to spoil it. Somebody recently called me out about, well, what's the point of the podcast? We can just watch the episode. Well, of course, watch the episode. You should always do that. This is never a instead of kind of podcast. No, no. This is a companion show to SpongeBob SquarePants. This is for me. This is for you. This is a lot of things, but this is never a replacement to just watch the episode. But spoiler warning, everything SpongeBob planned out certainly does not go according to his plan. As he arrives at the Krusty Krab, and as he's not paying attention, runs right into the door as we see yellow tape covering up the entire restaurant. It says condemned, and there's a massive lock right on the front. SpongeBob is stunned to see the Krusty Krab locked up. Mr. Krabs comes in to let us know that due to an exposure of nematodes, which we haven't seen an outbreak of nematodes like this since Home Sweet Pineapple, but they have apparently taken over the Krusty Krab, which has shut the place down. SpongeBob discovers through trying to get rid of the nematodes that his nose whistle 
the ability of SpongeBob's that we see in every single episode of the show is now used as a plot device of SpongeBob humming out the Best Day Ever theme song and essentially, like the Pied Piper, leading these nematodes right out of the vicinity of the Krusty Krab, thus saving the restaurant. SpongeBob walks the nematodes, marches them so far that they tire out and pass out, which seemingly is also around the time that his watch goes off, that he's about to to go and, and be late for his appointment with Sandy, which I have to imagine would have been after a decent shift at the Krusty Krab. So that tells me he must have been marching those nematodes for like eight hours, which that's commendable. That's an incredible feat right there. I'm assuming his uh, shift schedule at the Krusty Krab, but I feel like that fits in about a 9-to-5 schedule, and then he goes and meets with Sandy. He arrives at the Tree Dome and wants to surprise Sandy with his brand-new adhesive karate gloves. I don't really see the point other than their stealth capabilities or their ninja usage capabilities. He scales the the tree dome like a ninja with these things. But as far as an actual karate, using them in a karate match, isn't your opponent just going to get stuck to them or the karate hand gets stuck to the other one? Is that the point? Or you get somebody else with a pair of adhesive gloves themselves and you try to stick it out? I have no idea. But SpongeBob scales the tree dome, flies through the tree of Sandy's enclosure. I love that the animators stuck on leaves as he passed through the tree to remember that these gloves are sticky. And we notice that Sandy is repairing, or at least trying to repair, a very scary possibility that I'm sure all of us have thought of since seeing this enclosure underwater. Hey Sandy, what if it starts leaking? What do you do? Yeah. Pretty scary thought, honestly. Being that deep underwater and needing oxygen. Not like it's a joke or anything, but Sandy's enclosure is a little bit beyond me. I'm not looking forward to being on Sea Lab 2023 or anything like that. Being that deep underwater, having those possibilities of leaks and uh, don't even get me started. That's a new fear unlocked, and I don't I don't need that. Sandy is trying to repair this leak that of course SpongeBob annoyingly ignores the issue at hand, which You know, on one front, I understand he's trying to engage in what he is there for, karate. That's his appointment. But you'd think, with something as serious as, Hey, SpongeBob, there's a leak in this enclosure that I need to survive. Although he does end up helping the situation, he still completely ignores it. And throughout the karate that he's trying to perform on Sandy, she just knocks him up into the into the dent, into the crack of the tree dome. I have no idea how that happened. I'd like to know what went on. 
It seemingly was a crack from the inside, so something hit the tree dome, Sandy. What was it? I'd actually like to know. But SpongeBob then gets whacked, punched, karateed right into the crack. But it's his adhesive karate glove that gets stuck right into the crack. And while he's hanging there, Sandy excitedly goes and gets some sealant. And as SpongeBob just frowns, we cut to SpongeBob then walking off, giving us not really how long he was there. We don't have a time frame on his day. But of course, with whatever was going on at Sandy's, there was no time for them to karate it out. Although there was some karate, SpongeBob. So I know that uh, you didn't really get a full karate match with your friend here, but you did have a bit of an interaction. Plus, you did save her living space, her entire existence underwater. You'd think that would sink in a little bit. But as he walks off to Jellyfish Fields, he keeps reminding himself of some of the good things that he still has ahead of him. Jellyfishing with Patrick and the Squidward concert. As he arrives at the fields, Patrick is already at play catching some jellyfish before his net broke. At some point, Patrick's net breaks and he's left in tears. Where, of course, earlier in the episode, Spongebob, during his thoughts of the day, how his day was going to play out. One key moment, one key detail was that he has a brand new jellyfish net to debut today at Jellyfish Fields. A brand new, futuristic metal-looking jellyfish net, something that we haven't seen the likes of Spongebob use ever. So when I say it's new, it's, it's new. It's not old reliable. It is new reliable. So when you see Patrick with a broken net, you immediately know where this is going. SpongeBob's going to lend him his net, and he's not going to be able to use it. And the joke's on all of us. As SpongeBob pulls out his old jellyfish net that he brought as a spare, but when Patrick brings it off screen, he of course breaks it just as quickly as he had it in his hands. And then it plays out exactly as you thought it would play out. SpongeBob offers Patrick to use his new jellyfish net. And then SpongeBob finds himself in a situation where Patrick has just taken control of the net and has not given SpongeBob a turn. It's the one part of his day that I have a real connection with, other than the over-encasing story of the ideal day that you plan out in your head and then it goes not according to plan, or it doesn't go the way you thought it would go. That should be pretty relatable for most people, because, come on now, that's happened to everybody. Not every single thought that you have goes according to plan. So everybody should at least have some relation to that idea. But as far as what SpongeBob goes through... Specifically, this is the only part of his day that I actually can say I've encountered that before. Not exactly jellyfishing and what happens with his net, but where you bring something of yours to use for an activity and somebody else uses it a little bit too much 
And depending on the kind of person you are, you may either let that slide or put your foot down and then it causes friction or it causes issues or you let things go. Like Spongebob here, you just let it happen. The situation that I can connect that with is if I go to a friend's house back in the early days of video gaming when there was more couch multiplayer stuff, go over a friend's house bringing a nice controller their controller is on the fritz and they want to do something single player on their system so they borrow your controller and then you're stuck watching a let's play which is not always the worst thing in the world it's not always the worst thing i mean we do that now through many different means so doing it in person not always the worst thing but if you go over with the intentions of doing something together and then it ends up with you doing nothing just sitting there, sometimes it's a little bit harder to appreciate in the moment, you know? At this point, yeah, you know, I appreciate those times, but I certainly have experienced that same form with SpongeBob, and it may not be somebody just breaking controllers. Simply, they just may not have one available, or yours is better, or whatever the reason is, but I've at least felt that similar situation where you just eat it, and you let it go, and you go, up. Oh, Maybe the next time. So as Spongebob walks away from, from Jellyfish Fields, it is now clearly later in the evening as he arrives to the auditorium where Squidward's concert, his clarinet recital, is going to happen. This is a big deal for Squidward. This doesn't happen all the time. This is something that Squidward has been dreaming about since season one. Legitimately, when SpongeBob entered his dream, what was Squidward dreaming about? Of course, it was playing for royalty, but either way, it was playing on a stage and it was being appreciated for his music. And now it's going to happen. But as SpongeBob arrives to the auditorium, Squidward is seen crying outside. His reed for his clarinet is busted. And we see SpongeBob do one of the most memorable things all season that a friend could do, which is to slap Squidward out of it for a second and yank out his own front tooth, one of his front teeth, to replace the reed inside of Squidward's clarinet, a scene that is iconic for me in this episode, but also makes me want to turn away for a moment. And Squidward plays the clarinet perfectly. He says it's an actual good replacement. And as SpongeBob... He is, at this point, frustrated about how everything has gone wrong, and here's this other moment that he's excited for possibly going wrong, and he is putting a stop to it right now. He is so dedicated to making sure that some part of his day goes well that he is yanking out his own teeth, and as he pushes Squidward into the theater, he is stopped by security, one of the worst characters this entire season, this angry usher, asks for SpongeBob's ticket. And when SpongeBob is unable to find the ticket on his body, he has misplaced it. This guy simply is just angrily keeping SpongeBob out of this place and is genuinely one of the worst characters to have been encountered in this entire season. I would say, this guy is such a jerk 
and is so bad at his job, it's impressive at some degree for Squidward to reach a pedestal of his musical career that there would be this level of security to stop people from listening to his music, you know? You would think that with Squidward and his talent that we know of up to this point, there would be an empty auditorium and, huh, man, you don't have a ticket? Well, hey, man, we don't even have anybody in there. Go on in. But no, this is a very strict location. This is seemingly a packed house. This is a big business here. No ticket, no entry. SpongeBob brings from the last episode the idea of puppets and uses a SpongeBob puppet to distract this usher out of the way of the door before SpongeBob himself comes across a puppet of the usher, which I genuinely love that joke. So as much as I dislike the usher here, this joke I I love. Coming after Squidward to keep this puppet trend going was a little nice too. SpongeBob then successfully sneaks into the auditorium before breaking through physically breaking through another wall, which ends up being the front door of the entire establishment, right back out to the usher himself. Another funny bit. I gotta give it to him. The last bit sees Mrs. Puff arrive, with SpongeBob trying to sneak in through Mrs. Puff, but once she utters his name, this usher goes above and beyond to intimidate SpongeBob here, but once he hears... Oh, wait, your name is SpongeBob? Oh, wait, you're a VIP. Brings SpongeBob into the auditorium over to his reserved seat on a purple pillow. And I don't think that's enough for the treatment that this guy received from this usher. I don't think being just carted in like that is enough. But you know what? I think it goes to the character of Spongebob that he rolls everything off of his back. He doesn't really hold a grudge. And it's a lot of this episode that shows off what is so good about this character. He does, you know, need a bit of a reminder for this. But as Spongebob sits down in his seat, he is ready for the Squidward recital. But unfortunately... The recital is over and Squidward is taking his final bow as Spongebob is sitting there next to Patrick, Sandy, Mr. Krabs, and they are all clapping for Squidward. Spongebob freaks out in front of everybody and unloads how his day has gone and everything that has gone awry. And now he doesn't even get to see Squidward perform. It's then when these characters step in to remind Spongebob that while his plan may have gone wrong. It was because of him that things went well for others. SpongeBob was upset that he didn't get to go to work, but because of leading away those nematodes, the Krusty Krab was saved. Sandy, he may have not had a karate match, but he got to save the whole reason that she lives underwater. Patrick, although I feel the most for SpongeBob in that situation... You know, his friend got to enjoy a moment in jellyfish fields. And if it wasn't for SpongeBob ripping out his tooth for Squidward, 
his entire recital, his entire concert that he's been dreaming about wouldn't have been able to happen. Look how much you helped out your friends. Sometimes it isn't about you, but at the end of the day, it is about what you bring to the table. And SpongeBob is reminded of this with all of the goodwill he's had, and he starts to think about how his day went a little bit differently before all of the characters decide to pitch in to give SpongeBob one little final musical performance, which is, of course, where I don't know if it's a future concert or if everybody in the audience had to sit there and wait for this entire thing to be put on, but the Best Day Ever song gets a remix of SpongeBob going through what is his best day ever, which is where he gets to work at the Krusty Krab, and there's a little backdrop of the Krusty Krab painted. Mr. Krabs reveals a lot through this song that he's paid for this entire musical extravaganza, and some parts he apparently didn't even know was in the budget. But there's a little bit of an error here with the Krusty Krab. It says Krusty Krab at first, and then it changes to a, a K period, K period. I don't know why that changed, but SpongeBob sings about working at the Krusty Krab, playing karate with his friend Sandy, jellyfishing with Patrick, and of course, enjoying Squidward and his clarinet before he just goes right into the chorus of Best Day Ever. This part of the episode, unfortunately, I have only, I don't want to say it's a negative thought about, but the Best Day Ever marathon and the Best Day Ever itself, that entire day, was promoted using this episode, The Best Day Ever, as one of its centerpieces, that this marathon of the top 100 episodes were going to lead up to the premiere of Best Day Ever following that, the premiere of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie on television. So, throughout the weeks of that event, they used the footage of the Best Day Ever episode from this part of the episode of SpongeBob leading his own chorus of other SpongeBobs singing Best Day Ever, the classic sign that I, I drew into the Season 4 image for YouTube for the video episodes. I think that's on Spotify as well. That whole part was used at nauseum in the promotion of this event. So anytime I see this part of the episode, it's hard not to just think of it being a commercial. Especially when all of the multiple Spongebobs pop up in the background and they all sing Best Day Ever. That whole part, although it's iconic, it just makes me think of commercial, commercial, the event, the whole thing. So it's hard to enjoy it as its own part of, of the episode. Then the characters are hoisted on this giant crabby patty and they swing about, singing about the best day ever. The end joke being that SpongeBob is continually singing the chorus and is not stopping. Everybody has left the auditorium at some point. This is an Andy Kaufman level bit where SpongeBob doesn't stop singing the best day ever until everybody's gone. Squidward and Mr. Krabs kind of look at each other. When when are we gonna when are we gonna stop this or when when is he gonna stop? Mr. Krabs just accepts it as whenever his his little heart decides to give up. 
they realize that this this character gives a lot, doesn't really receive a ton, doesn't ask for a ton, and deserves the best. And there's a part of, of this entire episode with that meaning being behind it, with SpongeBob being the centerpiece and then these characters coming together, everything about it, it makes it feel like a finale. As if if this episode aired after The Gift of Gum and was the end of a season, it would have felt more like a series finale in some way. I feel genuinely like any long-running show has a few episodes, whether or not they were intended at some point, but has a few episodes that feel like this would be a good ending. The Simpsons has several, if you ask any fan. I saw one within the last five years called Barthood from a recent season that I loved so much, and after I watched it, I was like, that could have been a great series finale for The Simpsons. Same thing with SpongeBob. It happens a lot. This is one of those episodes. Best Day Ever feels like if there was ever going to be a top five episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants that would make for a good final episode, this kind of feels like it. From the fact that this is the first episode to open up with a song, which would have been an incredible bookend to the SpongeBob show, given that the first episode ended with a song, the callback to the nematodes, SpongeBob using his nose flute as a plot point, interacting with all of these characters, and showcasing the best qualities of this character his optimism, and his selflessness. Of course, everybody has a breaking point. Everybody has a moment where they have to be reminded of the good they bring. It's called imposter syndrome or some parts of that where you just do things and you're not able to realize what you're doing or you're not able to appreciate what you've been able to do or produce. That's usually associated with those of us in, in the creative field, but I have to imagine that a part of that has to go out there to people who help out others and are not able to appreciate the ways they're helping others or for what it means to that person. I think SpongeBob has something along those lines here. Although the Patrick situation is the most, you know... That's the one I understand, but the Sandy and the Mr. Krabs situations of his day, I think he should have been more in the moment and understanding of what was transpiring and the gravity of his presence and what he brought to that situation or those situations. One thing which was funny before we end off this episode that I noticed was as Spongebob was noting throughout the episode how things were going wrong in his day, he kept mentioning a part of his rough day that he didn't get to go to work. And at first I thought about, you know, that's that's kind of funny for someone to keep mentioning, oh, I didn't get to go to work today. My day is ruined. But then this is the whole part of perspective here. This is what I'm talking about. If someone genuinely loves their job, regardless on what they're doing, even if they're working for somebody, SpongeBob had an achievable goal 
in the beginning of this entire story, and he reached it. That's awesome. And he loves his job. He gets paid poorly. His coworker does not like him. His boss is incredibly greedy, but he loves his job. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with somebody enjoying their work and being upset with not being able to go to work. So if you're someone who doesn't enjoy what they do for a living, that may come off as a comedy bit. But think about it for a second. If you enjoy what you do, that's the key word there, enjoy. You would be upset if you didn't get to do something you enjoy. That's what it boils down to. And that, ladies and gentlemen of the Ready Crew, is SpongeBob's best day ever. One of the most iconic episodes in SpongeBob SquarePants history in conjunction with the song, in conjunction with the marathon, in conjunction with this episode. And even beyond this episode, the best day ever song was then remixed with the help of Jonathan Colton. I did not know this until today. I knew he helped out on the musical, but I didn't really look into what he actually helped out in. But for those that don't know, Jonathan Colton, one of my favorite musicians, due to the fact that he has made songs that I have replayed so many times, Code Monkey, Still Alive, the song from Portal, Want You Gone, the song from Portal 2. He is behind those hits. He also helped significantly behind the SpongeBob SquarePants musical with the opening number, Bikini Bottom Day, being composed by Jonathan Colton, while also helping to remix The Best Day Ever as the culmination number in the SpongeBob SquarePants musical. As the characters are facing intimate doom, of the possibility of Bikini Bottom being destroyed. It's SpongeBob who steps in and sings about how every day has the possibility to be the best day ever, including today. Let's not go into this essentially head-on with a frown on our faces and crying. Let's appreciate what we've had. It's a beautiful remix of that song. I mean... I'm sure given the context there, you can understand a little bit and go, whoa, yeah, makes me appreciate that a little bit. And it actually uses a lot more of the original Best Day Ever song than the episode does. But it's a beautiful remix of the Best Day Ever. If you haven't heard it, highly recommend the musical. But it's a beautiful culmination number. Just can't express it enough how it felt being there live in New York. Final day of the performances. What what a day. What a day. And the best day ever, honestly, that I've had in a, in a while. This episode, this song, this everything associated with the best day ever, it's something that has followed SpongeBob through his history and will continue to do so. It's all breaking down to SpongeBob's optimism. That's what it boils down to. Every day does have the ability to be the best day ever, and it's up to you. It's up to you to make it the best day ever. If life throws lemons your way, it's up for you to make lemonade or beef stew. 
depending on what you want to do with your day. Completely up to you. That's the whole point. If you run into something that is completely unexpected, how do you mold that into a win? How can you take that negative and find the positive? It's all about our actions and what we bring to the table, and sometimes it's about our reactions. How we react to certain circumstances that can showcase what we are capable of in this world. And I gotta say, one of those classic sayings of when you get knocked off the horse, you gotta keep getting back up, it's no more truer here than when you have a planned out day and every single thing goes wrong. Pick yourself back up and get back up on that horse. And even if every bit of your day goes awry, all it takes is one song to turn everything around and to turn that frown upside down. There's a lot of little sentimental things I can get into here, but I, I think I've, I've hit that nail on the head. I think I've expressed what I'm getting to at that even if you are having an absolutely terrible day, everything is being dumped upon you, you can turn that around and not have to have that feeling on your back anymore. It's certainly easier said than done. Trust me, I've been in situations, in days, where everything is going wrong. I feel irritable, and inside that cloud is just hovering right above, raining down, but there's always that reminder of there's always another moment, there's always another minute, there's always another chance to make the best day out of this situation. It falls in line with so many pieces of media that I've consumed that have had a message like that. The Lion King is another one. Rafiki's whole message to Simba is, hey man, you can be upset about the past, certainly, but you can always change your future. You don't have to sit there and sulk about what has happened. It hurts, but you can still be hurt again in the future, but you can avoid that as well. It's about growing. It's about moving on. It's what SpongeBob does here. And as the captain of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, we're all about that philosophy here too. You can always turn any day into the best day ever. And that, ladies and gentlemen of the Ready Crew, is going to be this episode of the Squarecast. Thank you for coming aboard and for being a part of this experience. I can't thank you enough. We have a few episodes left for this season. We have next week's episode, The Gift of Gum, followed by my personal rankings for season four, which, as the other ranking videos, will be on camera for those who listen into the podcast for those moments who would like to see me through that little porthole on YouTube or on Spotify, that rankings episode will have my face alongside the actual rankings of the episode. We may do another episode focusing on some of the games that came out during Season 4. I'm still trying to figure out a schedule moving forward, how to tackle some of these classic SpongeBob games live, and to make sure that the emulators for them work. I own 99.9% .9 of any of the games I'm going to be featuring, but emulation is sometimes easier than trying to get these older systems hooked up to capture devices and whatnot. So anytime I feature a game, 
that I'm emulating. I will make sure to show it off on camera. Not to say that if there isn't an accessible means to purchase that game, in those circumstances, I can excuse if one doesn't have a physical copy on hand. But for myself, makes me feel better letting you know when I have something and when I don't. So that may happen as an extra week for me to figure out the logistics of how Season 5 is going to look. Other than that, on my front, Season 5 may feature a few more guests than I had during Season 4 with a few individuals who may have worked on SpongeBob SquarePants or those who may be working currently on the show that may come aboard for an episode of the SquareCast. So stay tuned for that. And of course, if you would like to support the Captain, the two best ways you can do so is first of which by subscribing to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at the Captain Eric, or by clicking on that link in the podcast description below. Clicking subscribe is the best way to support the Captain. I know it's been a slow drought of I'm ready content on the YouTube front, but I'm getting back into the editing of things, so there will be more videos dropping soon. Some pieces of content I've never done before that I'm dropping for the very first time on the Captain Eric YouTube channel. So if you would like to support me, clicking that subscribe button and regardless on what you do with that bell is the best means. But if you'd like to go a little bit further and support the Captain, you can click on that red bubble link in the podcast description below where you can find a bunch of pieces of Captain Eric are all drawn by me that you can put on anything you'd like offered by Redbubble, from hats, t-shirts, to duvet covers. Anything that comes in from my projects go back into my projects, and it's always appreciated. We are almost at 500 followers on the YouTube channel, and I'd like to see that five before Season 5 drops. So if you are not subscribed yet, and you are listening this far into the podcast, I'd say you are a part of the Ready Crew So consider joining, if you will. Thank you, each and every one of you, for joining me on this episode. It is a blessing for you to be here and to make this my best day ever. Recording this has made this my best day ever, and who knows what tomorrow brings, but for today, I'm smiling. I'm appreciating this, and I love each and every one of you. Thank you for coming aboard, and until next week's episode, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again to another episode of I'm Ready! A SpongePod Squarecast. It's the best day ever! See, SpongeBob, it's not about you or your perfect day or any of those things. It's not? No! (laughs) It's about us. It is? Yep. And since you did such a good job, we want to make it up to you. You do? So just tell us anything your little heart desires, and it's yours. 